God's good book, the Bible. Genesis chapter 1 and now Genesis chapter 2 cut through the inflation of human nonsense to give us free gifts. And who doesn't like free gifts? Well, humans have the capacity for understanding God's free gifts. But it's also important to know that only humans have the capacity for being so ignorant as to ignore God's free gifts. So come on in. Let's take a look at this free gift that God gives us, completion. Come on in. channel we are so glad anybody shows up because we love talking about the bible and we like helping people to talk about the bible we are absolutely convinced that the normal way that god speaks to us is through the bible christians ought to read the bible regularly all humans ought to hear the basic message of the bible because it is how we will ring the chamois of our existence to its greatest potential it will give us such a sense of completion and fulfillment like nothing else can because it's God behind these words and God speaking to us is normal and so what we do at the biblical channels we simply pray and we read the Bible so the best prayer I think ever given to man is the prayer that Jesus gives us our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is our prayer, and that is our hope. And as we come to God, let's listen to what he is telling us. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, that's our main focus for today, is Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. But there's some other passages that we must uh, bring into our vision and that's because the Bible works as a big whole from front to back. It's working uh, together. It's, it's intertwined and connected. And we want to see those great connections in order to be good readers. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, obviously comes right after Genesis 1. And here's what we hear. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. I also think it's important to hear Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, and I'll explain it later. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I also think we need to hear from Jesus. Let's hear Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. All right, well, we've asked for God's help, um, and we've heard from God. Now it's time to dive in and take a look at this, you know, 
great gift of God, completion. Let me say first, though, that we must always recognize that the Bible is always in the hands of bad readers. Bad reading is always the culprit behind all the misunderstandings of God. And bad reading is something we all are pretty capable of. So that's what we're trying to overcome. We don't want to be bad readers. We want to be good readers. And being good readers of Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, means seeing how it sits with you know, the rest of the story. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, really is not only just day 7, but it's the whole story of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1 is all about Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. And so it's kind of interesting because the emphasis here is not on rest. I know that our translations say the word rest, and we tend to focus on that word rest. And when we think of rest, we're thinking of what we do in between two bad uh, football games on a Sunday afternoon. And then we start thinking of God resting, you know, like he's, you know, going to catch a nap between football games. And we've already completely missed the point. The point um, is more connected to Genesis chapter 1, that God created and he is responsible for the whole work of creation. There is nothing, there are no other gods that are responsible for the work of creation other than God. And that work comes to a completion. And so the real emphasis of Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, day 7, is completion. God brings it all to a completion. And this is, you know, our most important point of focus for all human beings, we need to hear that all of God's good creation was about day seven. And day seven is all about being complete. And that's the emphasis. When God finishes, he completes. When God is resting, that means he has completed his work. And when God completes things, well, he isn't taking a nap. He's doing something else. And what he's doing is blessing and making things holy. Let's take a deeper look at just that. So let's uh, you know, move forward a little bit here. Let's, let's just hear that uh, opening uh, or, or the point of focus for us, and that is Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, all the host of them. The seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So ceasing from work, blessing, and making holy is the real message here of day seven. And for those snarky, you know, people who keep wanting to talk about the seven literal or the six literal days of creation, I would beg you to please try to understand the message in day seven so that you don't get stuck in that silly trap of trying to work out the literal days of creation. There's a message here about blessing and making things holy that we really need to grab a hold of, to grip it, to grab it, to understand it, to bring it to heart, to really get it so that our life can see things differently. So completion is the big idea. Completion 
um, is, is the idea behind Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, day 7. 7 is the biblical number for per- perfection because it's day 7 that is the day of completion. It's the day of finishment. It's the day, the coolest day ever because it's the day where God's blessing and making things holy comes to fruition. This is the activity of day seven. Day seven is for blessing. Day seven is for sanctifying, making holy. Day seven makes the way for fruitfulness and dominion and relationship. This is what God makes holy. And let's just maybe stop and pause for a second and talk about that word holy. Biblically, the word holy means to simply set something apart. To set something apart is to make it special, to recognize its specialness. Um, So to make something holy is just making something very clearly special. Um, And so day seven is when God completes the work of a good creation for what the real jazz is. And that is, well, day seven's completion. The day when, you know, blessing and setting it aside for enjoyment, for fruitfulness, for dominion, for relationship. You see, all of these ideas were coming to us in Genesis chapter 1 that God's design was for fruitfulness. God's design was for dominion, that God's design was for relationship. And now is the day where all of that comes to fruition, to borrow the pun. God completes us. That's the big message. We are designed to be completed by God. That's what day seven's all about. That's what Genesis chapter two, verse one to three is all about. Day seven is literally the good news of, of Genesis chapter one, which is day one through six. But day seven is more than good news for the book of Genesis in these first two chapters. Day seven is actually the good news of the whole entire Bible. God is not going to let go of the idea of day seven from here on to the very end of the Bible in Revelation, the book of Revelation that we we did a series on, so why don't you go check that out. But the book of Revelation ends with day seven really being complete once and for all. And so day seven is the gospel. Day seven's the good news of the Bible. And that's what we need to really really focus on. Um, so the next, you know, um, you know, part that we need to, you know, build into our understanding is a bit of a spoiler alert. So to really understand day seven and how day seven moves its way through the Bible, we have to, you know, recognize, and again, spoiler alert, because we're going to cover some of this later, But we do need to understand right off the bat that the Bible is absolutely clear in its message that we, as people, as human beings, are responsible for losing that loving feeling. Yeah, that's right. We have lost that loving feeling. We've lost that loving feeling. That's the message of Genesis chapter 4, Genesis chapter 5, 6, the whole way through Genesis chapter 11 is the very clear message that human beings strangely, oddly, ignorantly lose that loving feeling for God's completion and insist on, you know, getting stuck 
in day one through six in this workload of the world in which we live. So if you read, you know, Genesis chapter one through 11, you cannot help but to feel like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Day two uh, or day seven in Genesis two is so cool. But then by the time we get to Genesis four, five, six through 11, we realize that human beings have lost the plot, that they are they are outside of the garden. They are outside of this idea of completion. And so Genesis chapter 12 comes to us as super good news because human beings may have lost that loving feeling. Human beings may not be looking for God to complete them, but God has not lost his loving feeling. God has not dismissed humanity and, and turned us over to ourselves for good. God is immensely interested in what he started, and God is going to finish what he started as well. So Genesis chapter 12 is big news because God, having not lost that loving feeling, begins a plan in this obscure dude made, named Abram. And that's why we read this passage, because God picks Abram for no good reason. Abram is just as lost as any other human soul uh, in the storyline. It's not that Abraham is great. It's not that Abraham is good. Um, you know, what God said of Noah, he doesn't say of Abraham in Genesis chapter 11 or 12 at all. He just picks a dude to start a story. The good news is that Abraham actually responds well. But what God makes is a promise to Abraham that involves you and me, involves everybody. And that is that what he starts in Abraham is going to work its way into a blessing for all the families of the earth. The word families is also the word nations. So all of the nations, all of the families, all of the cultures of the earth are going to benefit from this simple plan that God starts with a guy named Abram and his wife, Sarah. Okay, we'll look uh, maybe more at that story later on. But Genesis chapter 12 is, is extremely good news. In fact, Paul the apostle will look back to you know, Abraham as being the gospel, because it's really good news that God hasn't lost his love and feeling. Human beings, we've lost our love and feeling. We're not looking for God to complete us. God has not lost his loving feeling, and he is still committed to seeing us through to our completion. So by the time we get to the fourth commandment, okay, and the fourth commandment is the Sabbath commandment, you know, of the Ten Commandments, the fourth commandment is the commandment about the Sabbath. And let me just put a side note out there. Human beings, including Israel, completely jack up what the Sabbath is all about. It seems like nobody can you know, wrap their mind up around what it really is about. They're constantly getting sidetracked about what they think it means, but they rarely get right what it actually means. So bad Bible reading is actually the storyline in the Bible. When human beings lose the plot on life, it's because they're poor readers. They're poor listeners. They, they don't listen very well, and they're trying to do it on their own with no good information. The fourth commandment, the Sabbath commandment, which is completely misunderstood, we find it in Exodus 20, and then later we find it in Deuteronomy chapter 5.
But Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, the Ten Commandments, specifically the Fourth Commandment, is all about proclaiming God's commitment to seeing his creation complete and enter that seventh day. You see, biblically, the, the human problem is that we're not in the seventh day. So the plan that God begins with Abraham works its way into the story of Israel. Israel comes out of Egypt, rescued by God, redeemed by God, to hear the Ten Commandments for the first time in Exodus 20, for the second time in Deuteronomy 5, which is 40 years later. But to understand, you know, you know what God is bringing to Israel in their fourth commandment, is to understand that God is building, in, building into the life of this people the idea of proclaiming God's commitment to seeing his creation complete and enter the seventh day. You see, we need God's completion. We need God to complete us. And that is what the Sabbath is all about in Israel's story. So when Israel first comes out of Egypt to Mount Sinai for the very first time, Exodus 20, that's when the first, you know, Ten Commandments are given. Um, and, and when the first, you know, the, when the Ten Commandments are given for the first time, let's just read it. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Six days, labor, do all your work. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, on it you shall do no work. Your son, your daughter, your male servant, female servant, livestock sojourner that's within your gates. Six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. So this is actually where the word rest literally appears. And the word rest is literally the word Sabbath, and the word Sabbath literally means to cease from work. So, so all activity comes to an end, but the primary activity, okay, is remembering, remembering the day of completion is what day seven is all about. So the cease work day, stop everything, stop all work. That's not the activity. The activity is actually remembering God's completion day. So Israel, as well as all human beings, are called to imitate God. That's what it means to be a human being, according to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28. Being made in the image of God is about imitating God. That is our created role. That is what God made us for, is to imitate God. So imitating God is the point for all human beings that know God. So it makes sense that Israel, Israel on the seventh day is to be emulating or practicing this imitation of God. And part of imitating God is ceasing work so that you can remember something very big. And that is there is more to life than work. Not that rest is bad, you know, not, not that rest is good and work is bad. No, that's not it. It's that rest is when life, including work, is in harmony with God Think of that garden scene with Adam and Eve, you know, all things, the first part of the garden scene, where all things seem to be in really good harmony together. Work, rest, you know, relationship, fruitfulness, dominion, all of that seems to be going so well in Genesis chapter 3. Israel, at this point in time, which is, you know, 
who knows how, you know, somewhere around 1400 BC, Israel was now supposed to be imitating the future hope of God's completion. So every seven days, you know, and, and oh man, this is so tough, right? God's demands are so tough. Every seven days, Israel is supposed to stop work, cease, have a cease work day, and imitate Genesis chapter 2, the completion day, the blessing day, the fruitfulness day, the dominion day, the relationship day. And what's very cool is that this is no pompous holiday for the rich to take off. This is a holiday. This is a holy day. This is a great day for the sojourners, you know, the strangers, the travelers who happen to be in Israel's midst, the servants, male and female servants, everyone, everything, even the livestock. Everything is to stop work, but that's not the real activity. The real activity is remembering day seven, remembering the day of God making holy and blessing. That's the message. That's the message that Israel is supposed to take out into the world around them. That's the message that Israel has for the nations around. The nations around are supposed to look in and see Israel stopping work, stopping everything. The, the servants, the slaves, the, the livestock, everything ceases. That's an attention grabber, right? And, and the attention grabber is so that they can see the real activity. And the real activity that Israel is supposed to be generating, well, is the real activity of remembering God's completion day, his blessing day, his fruitfulness day, his dominion day, his relationship day. Now, the second giving of the fourth commandment comes in Deuteronomy chapter 5, which is 40 years later. And we all know if we've read, you know, from Exodus to Deuteronomy, that's four books of the Bible. But we know the storyline, you know, or should know the storyline. And that is Israel is having a really hard time keeping their act together. They're actually having a really hard time um, understanding what God means here. What's hilarious about this is that I don't think what God is saying is terribly hard to figure out. But Israel is demonstrating a pretty thick-headedness, or as the Bible, or as God likes to call them, a stiff-neckedness, which is a condition I think that all human beings, including myself, have a little stiff-neckedness. But when we catch up with the second commandment, or I'm sorry, the, the second giving of the Ten Commandments, we have to realize that Israel was almost brought to extinction. <laughs> and a whole generation has wandered around the desert for 40 years. Now the second generation is truly ready to cross the, the river and enter the promised land as God had promised the first generation. But the first generation's lack of faith or understanding of what God was doing prohibit them from going into the promised land. Now that they're ready to go into the promised land, the second giving of the fourth commandment comes up, and there is some new material that is very important material that is added into the fourth commandment. So Deuteronomy chapter 5, uh, verse 12 to 15, is the fourth commandment. Let's just read it. Observe the Sabbath day, keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you, six days you'll labor. And all of this is the same until we get to the point where um, God says, you know, in the in this, that your male and female servants, your your you know, shall rest as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. 
So the new material that's given in the second giving of the fourth commandment is to observe, and not only to observe, but to remember. So we see observe, day seven, and remember. That's the key activity. Observance is all about remembering. The main activity is not ceasing work. The main activity is remembering still. Still the same. Remember, though, now, remember your life working as slaves. So this is an absolute essential part of the day seven Sabbath that Israel was to celebrate. The fact that God redeemed them, that God took them from toil and slavery to blessing. Redemption now is a major part, if not the whole part, that is built into day seven. Entering day seven is 100% God's work. From Israel's point of view, God redeemed them from slavery in Egypt to Mount Sinai and this relationship of going into the promised land. And that was all God's doing. God redeemed them in order to celebrate this day seven, every seven days to have this party, this celebration, this you know activity of remembering in order to remember God's completion. In order to really be complete, you need God's redemption. Israel knew that firsthand in a very literal manner. They were taken from slavery of, in Egypt to and redeemed into God's completion, his promised land. You see, God had done all the work. But day seven and its celebration has to have in it the idea of remembering God's redemption so that we can actually be completed. So every seven days in the promised land, Israel was to imitate Genesis chapter two, imitate God's completion day, his blessing day, his fruitful day, fruitfulness day, his dominion day, his relationship day. But the way that they got there is through redemption. Everything needs God's redemption day if it's going to find God's completion day. Does that make sense? I hope so. Because redemption is absolutely necessary and built into the Sabbath day of rest in order to reach God's completion day, which is day seven in Genesis chapter two. So once again, livestock, sojourners, travelers, uh, servants, slaves, everyone and everything is included and everything is to stop work and, and, and focus on the activity of remembering God's redemption and his completion. The day of God making holy and blessing is what day seven is all about. And this was a celebration every seven days in the life of Israel, or at least it was supposed to be. So being a good Bible reader means to understand that day seven is really what God had always intended for everyone. Males and females living in the image of God, bearing fruit, ruling and having dominion over God's good creation, God redeeming his people for day seven, Israel was supposed to show the nations the way through redemption and to completion. But we have to admit that if you've read the Bible, you know that they missed the points. And that's exactly why they ended up losing the land. 
Day seven was very important for Israel because it was the sign that God had given them. And what a great sign it was. It was a bit of an invisible sign, um, you know, because really it's just about stopping work. There's nothing to see here unless people are actually observing and remembering, observing and remembering God's redemption and God's completion. You see, God's sign is not some sort of dumb statue or some sort of bizarre ritual. God's sign is a behavior. God's sign is an attitude. God's sign is something that's going on in your brain, which should be trust and remembrance, bearing God's image, imitating God, bearing fruit, expressing dominion. This is what Genesis chapter 1 and the beginning of Genesis chapter 2 revealed to us. Stopping work every seven days for Israel was making the point like a boss. This big holiday, and think about the word holiday, holy day. This big holiday every seven days was God's idea for Israel to show the world that there is more to life than work. In fact, life was really about God's redemption and God's completion. So, when we catch up with Jesus, Jesus Christ, it's very interesting that Jesus has no time for arguing about what to do or not to do and what particular day of the week um, the Sabbath is all about. Why? Because it's not the point, and it's still not the point. And, and sadly, Christians today still completely miss the point on what Jesus is talking about when it comes to understanding day seven. You see, day seven is still absolutely essential to our understanding, absolutely essential to our remembrance, absolutely essential to our attitude and our mindset. And what Jesus does makes the point absolutely clear. Jesus Christ is Genesis chapter two, day seven, God working to get you into day seven. You can't miss how Jesus says in all of the gospels, but we'll just read uh, Matthew chapter 12 or six to eight. You know, Jesus says, I tell you something greater than a temple is here. If you know what that means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. The son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus point number one, he's the boss of the Sabbath. I don't know if you can put your thinking caps on quickly enough to work that out. But if Jesus is the boss of the Sabbath, guess who he is? And who is he saying that he is? None other than God. He is speaking from the authority of God. And then what does Jesus say in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30? He says, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, then I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and I will, you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. When Jesus says this, he is gathering together the idea of Genesis chapter 1 and the Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 1 is about work. Genesis chapter 2 is about God's completion. Jesus is telling all of us as human beings that we are still stuck in work and what we need to find is rest. And that rest, Jesus says, you will find in himself. 
once again, it takes some pretty big, you know, those things to say what Jesus is saying because he's putting himself in the position of actually being the Sabbath, being the completion. And so, you know, once again, I love John chapter 5, verse 16 to 18, because John, you know, parenthetically tells us why everybody was so angry with Jesus. Um, and this was the way, reason the Jews were persecuting Jesus. I'm reading from Gen John 5, 16 to 18, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. The story of day seven is completed in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is Genesis chapter two. Jesus Christ is day seven. Jesus Christ is God working to get you to day seven. You see, actually God is working right now. And what God is working on is not probably what we suspect that he's working on. What he is working on is exactly what Jesus says him and the Father are working on. And that is getting us into his rest. Getting us into God's completion. Jesus Christ redeems us and he completes us because God is in the business of completing us. That's what God is working on. He is still working because we are still stuck in the first six days, really. We have not arrived at day seven, but Jesus promises you and me and everybody, all the families of the earth, just like he promised Abraham, that you will find rest in him. You will find day seven in him. You will find everything Genesis 2 was talking about in him. You see, here's the facts. The world beats us like a rented mule, and the world keeps us from God's day seven. What we need more than anything is day seven, God's completion, God's redemption into completion through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the story of the Sabbath reaching its high point. He is the Sabbath. He is that celebration of life being completed. And your life will never be complete unless you come to God for his redemption and his completion. You see, Genesis chapter one dismisses all of our gods and our ideas of gods and our rituals and our cultures and everything else so that we can come to God's redemption and come to God's completion. And there is absolutely nothing better for the human soul than to live on a daily basis, an everyday basis, remembering that God completes us. Jerry Maguire has nothing on us when we say to God, you complete me. And saying you complete me to God is exactly what we were designed to do. And it's exactly what day seven is all about. The first six days of creation, the work of creation is meant to come into completion day, blessing day, 
fruitfulness day, dominion day, relationship day. That, that is the work of God. Making things holy and blessing them looks just like that. Completing, completing us. And we need completion. Well, I'll leave you with that and we'll get on to the rest of Genesis 2 to the next time. Thanks for joining us. (music) 